When a fellow believer shares his or her story with you, what grabs your attention? Are there certain themes you listen for? Are there commonalities amidst the diversity and complexity of our individual stories? Experiences that we share and that map onto a basic framework of understanding? I'm glad to welcome you as a listener to this podcast. I'm Mike Emlett, counselor and faculty member at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, CCEF. In conjunction with the release of my new book, Saints, Sufferers, and Sinners, Loving Others as God Loves Us, you're about to hear a new podcast series during which I'll interview several of my colleagues at CCEF. During these conversations, we'll explore the intersection of three struggles common to each of us as believers in Christ. The first is the struggle to ground our foundational identity in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Who am I, really, and how do I live each day in light of that identity is a question we find ourselves revisiting often as believers. What does it truly mean to live as a daughter or son of our Heavenly Father, a saint who is secure in Christ. The second is the struggle with suffering. We all wrestle with various hardships and afflictions, whether they arise from bodily weakness, relationships, or the situational challenges of life, whether they be traffic jams, financial hardships, or pandemics. How do we draw near to God? who is an ever-present help in times of trouble. How do we help others do that? Third is the struggle with sin. We all wrestle with the evil that dwells within our hearts and erupts in words and deeds that harm others and ourselves. How do we reckon with the fact that, as the Apostle Paul says, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me? How does God help us grow in holiness? Moreover, how do we speak wisely and winsomely to those mired in sin? As Christians, we share the experience of simultaneously being saints, sufferers, and sinners. Knowing one another and loving one another well requires that we attend to these three foundational experiences. So join me now in listening to Stories from Saints, Sufferers, and Sinners. Today I'll be talking with Rona Babb. Rona is originally from Green Forest, Arkansas. After she graduated college, she served as a missionary in Seoul, South Korea for six years before moving back to the States to attend Westminster Theological Seminary, where she earned her master's degree studying theology, the Bible, and biblical counseling. She currently works as a biblical counselor at Logan Hope School, a small school in an under-resourced neighborhood of Philadelphia, 
that is predominantly made up of second- and third-generation Cambodian Americans. Rona also works part-time at CCEF as an intake counselor and administrative assistant while she completes CCEF's counseling certificate program. Rona is currently in the midst of planning a COVID wedding with her fiancé, Jordan, which is set for March 1st, 2021. Here are several things to listen for amidst Rona's wonderfully transparent storytelling. Notice how intertwined the experiences of being a saint, sufferer, and sinner are. These are not segmented areas of our lives. Our day-to-day experiences are a blending of the three. And so you'll hear that our conversation travels back and forth seamlessly in all three areas. Secondly, pay attention also to the long arc of change God works in us. Rona speaks of issues she's wrestled with over the course of her life and how God is continuing to grow her. It's a great testimony to Philippians 1.6 in action, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And then finally, notice the marked contrast between Rona's friend Betsy, who ministered so well to her, versus Rona's ministry leader in South Korea, whose words did not bring comfort and, in fact, exacerbated some of Rona's tendencies toward performance and people-pleasing. This is sobering. Our words have weight. After listening, consider your conversations this week and ask God to give you, as Isaiah 54 says, the ability to sustain the weary one with your words. Well, Rona, I'm really, uh, I'm really thankful for the opportunity to, uh, to talk with you, to have this conversation, and to get to know you better. So thank you uh, for, uh, for being part of this. It's really exciting to get to chat with you and um, take part in this conversation also. Thanks for having Great. me. Sure. I'm, I'd like to just dive in and kind of get a sense of the, the journey that the Lord has had you on. How, um, how, did, you, how did you come to know him? Yeah, so I actually um, grew up in the Bible Belt, and so there are churches on every corner. I grew up in a a very small town in Arkansas, and so I think I've always been um, exposed to Christianity in a cultural sense. Um, And I remember um, saying a prayer to Jesus in my heart, I think when I was five or six, Um, because we had a lot of tornadoes that passed through our town. Mm. And that particular evening, um, there was supposed to be a big tornado. And I remember just being so frightened all the time when I was a kid, but especially that particular night. And I remember um, my mom said something like, you know, if you, if Jesus lives in your heart and you pray to him, you don't have to be afraid of tornadoes. And so I think I, my prayer went something like, uh, Jesus, if you, I'll believe in you if you don't kill me in this tornado or something <laughs> like that. Um, so I, I remember that happening and I remember talking to and praying to God through my life, but um, I wouldn't say I actively saw Jesus as Lord and, and followed him with my heart until I was 19 and in college. Um, and that's when... Mm-hmm a lot of things just began to change drastically in my life and the direction of my life uh, changed from that point. 
Yeah, I'd, lo I mean, I'd love to hear more about that. Like, what were what were some of the things that that happened uh, at that time that, in a sense, catalyzed your your relationship with the Lord? Yeah. Um, so I was studying abroad in um, in Seoul, South Korea. I was a college. I had just finished my yeah. So I was a college sophomore, and um, I was at this like. Uh, orientation for international students. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking, okay, well, I, I don't have any friends here. I'm in a new city. I'm all by myself. So I, I want to make friends. And there was like a campus ministry. And I thought, okay, well, I'll hang out with these, these lame Christians until I find other friends or something like that. I don't know. And, um, and soon it was, I think it was like a, a campus crusade for Christ staff who was formerly serving at NYU and, um, and then served in Seoul. But I went to one of their college ministry retreats, and he, um, the campus ministry, ministry leader just prayed for a lot of us. And I remember when he prayed for me, um, I don't know how to, you know, and I've, I've been in ministry for a while now, and um, there's so many beautiful ways that God brings people to himself, but I think my... Uh, experience of of becoming a believer was very dramatic because I remember in that moment when he prayed for me, um, I just feel like the fear of the Lord just gripped my heart. And, mm. you know, what I heard all my life in Sunday school about, you know, we need a savior and Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I, I guess it was just a good story. But in that moment, it was just like the fear of the Lord gripped my heart. And I felt mm. like, oh my God, gosh, I, I'm a sinner. Hmm. I deserve to die. And um, it, I just started to just, my heart was so heavy with all of the, the sins that I committed and also just those sins in my heart. And, um, and then I also just began to see in my like mind's eye, all the sins committed against me. And, and I just remember thinking, you know, you know, I, I had an abusive father. He was alcoholic and very full of rage. And I think that my emotions and just everything shut down when I was very young because of that. And in that prayer time, um, something just like a switch just turned on and I felt like I could feel again. And I could mm -hmm. feel just the grief of the childhood that I had and the experiences I had with my father. And, and so I'm just like, it was just a very emotional hmm. experience. And in it all, I just felt like the Lord was telling me that I didn't have to run away anymore, that he was, um, he was sufficient and that he was the savior that I needed um, to rescue me from my sin. And he was the father that I've always been longing for. Um, and it was, I think, like right in that same prayer mm. meeting, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, people are dying without knowing this God. And I don't care what I do with my life, but I want to make him known. And I want people mm. to know his love and his goodness because, um, you know, it, I just, <laughs> it was just so um, life altering for me that I wanted that for others as well. Um, and so I was 19, and I am 32 now, so that's how old I am in the Lord. <laughs> and 
my life has been just um, so different since that moment. Hmm. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. Just to see how the Lord, you 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 had a lot of obviously information right about mm-hmm. the Lord, um, but at that moment it seems like not only the the way you put it was really uh, really interesting, right? That not only were you gripped by the sins that you had committed, but also by the sins committed against you, and so that mm-hmm. both, you know, places of places of sin and and places of deep suffering, the, the mm-hmm. Lord met you, met you in that, in that moment in, in both of those ways. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still don't understand, you know, the timing of God that I can hear about something my whole life. And then there's, there's these moments when God makes something so real to you and you realize like, oh, this isn't just for everyone else, but this is for me. Like I am that that person that Christ mm. died for, and I am that orphan that the Father has adopted into his family. Like, it, it just changes everything when it becomes so um, personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if you'd be willing, I'd love to hear a little more about um, you talking about just now being being adopted, right, into the, mm-hmm. into the Father's family and with regard to what you said about your dad as well. Can you talk a little bit more about that and in terms of what was that like to, in a sense, be in a new family with a, mm. this is the, this is, this is the real deal in terms of uh, a, a father. Um, what's, what's that, what was that like to be adopted into the family mm. of God? Yeah, I think it still... Um, it's like a truth that has immensely blessed me and and brought healing to me. And it's a truth that I'm still um, grappling with and don't believe in many ways also. Like I believe it and yet I don't in in Mm. many of the ways that I function and operate still. Um, Like I think that there are seasons when I, I can grasp and get a glimpse of Oh, in Christ, um, I am fully accepted by God and his pleasure rests on me. Like Mm. the benediction of of the Lord's face um, is turned towards you. And just all the Psalms talking about, um, you know, the face of the Lord turned towards his people and his delight being in his people. Like there are seasons where that reality can, can be so sweet to me. And I live from that place of just, wow, I am accepted by God and he is my father. And, um, and no matter what type of shame I have connected to my past or brokenness or whatever accusations the enemy might um, send my way, like this truth of God's pleasure over his children is mm. my just stronghold. But there are other times when um, it, it's very far and distant and Um, And all I can think is like, oh, who am I to, you know, want to serve the Lord? Who am I to want to counsel people to be? I was a missionary in Korea uh, for about six years. Who am I Mm. to serve the Lord in this way? Who am I to tell people of his goodness? Um, I'm the most broken. (laughs) I'm Mm. the most flawed. I'm the most um, sinful. And I just... I, I do have times where I, I really struggle to live in that reality. 
of um, my new identity in Christ and my adoption into God's family. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely go back and forth hmm. in my walk with the Lord. Yeah, I think you're speaking of a reality that, um, that uh, many of us can identify with, that we, we have experienced, we know we're, we're, we're part of God's family, we're His beloved children, but pressing that reality into the particularities of each day can be really, can be really challenging. Definitely. Um, how, yeah. on, on those times when it, when it feels more distant, when there's this sense of, who am I? Um, am I beloved? Am I worthy? Um, what, what helps you how do, how do you move back uh, into that, uh, that resting place under the benediction of the Lord? What's been, what have you found helpful in that? Mm-hmm. I think what is helpful is remembering the biblical narrative um, and all of the characters who have made up God's family, his children. And there are so many screw-ups and so many people with shameful pasts and so many people that you would think, um, oh, God, you had a lot of choices, but you went with this guy. You know, (laughs) why did you, you know, your choices are Mm -hmm. questionable. But, but then I look at the, that list and I think, oh, I, I think that this good news can apply to me too. And, and you, Mm. I especially, you know, think of verses like, um, you know, not many of you were wise and strong and powerful and, Mm -hmm. um, God takes what's weak and despised and shameful and foolish. And he, he receives glory from people like that. Like we get to just say, okay. And, and sometimes I just, I feel like I just speak back to the enemy and I say, okay, yeah, this is my brokenness, this is my past, this is something that shames me, and this is the sin that I struggle with, but I bring that to the table, and not any, and even if that's mm-hmm. all I bring to the table, like this is what Christ has promised, that he takes that, and that's what he has come for. He came to seek and save the lost. So um, yeah, even if all those accusations are true, you know, even mm-hmm. that's, that's just proof that the gospel is so good and um, that this king is unlike any other. And, um, and I think that, you know, shame is, is so crippling. It's so paralyzing. Um, but then when you just reframe it and you think, oh, well, these very things that I would say disqualify me, um, actually give me a seat at the table and Mm -hmm. that God Mm -hmm. likes it's like displays of his glory and his work and his salvation and his power in what's shamed and shameful and so I think um I think verses like that encourage me so much um remembering that all of this rests on who the Lord is and that he loves who he loves. Mm. And, um, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you're, yeah, you're highlighting how it's, it's external 
to you in a sense that he's, he has set his love on you because he's set his love uh, on you. And you see that throughout the, throughout the pages of, of Scripture. And so going back again and again to that, uh, to that reality of he did this. He, right. he, he chooses the, the weak and the unworthy. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, anytime we try to put stock in ourselves, it's... It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't go very go very far. Exactly. Yeah. And it's hard. It's it's like when you become a Christian, it's not like your way of operating the world immediately changes. Like all your old mm-hmm. patterns and habits are just, you know, part of how you move about this world, how you work, how you interact with people. So even though you believe these truths, it's like, oh you know, a few days pass and then you find yourself putting your worth in your performance or in people's Mm -hmm. acceptance of you. And, and, and those truths become, you know, far away again. And so I think it's just, I I don't know if it was Spurgeon that said, you know, you have to preach the gospel to yourself every Mm -hmm. day. And the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I resonate with that. Um, It is just something that nourishes our souls every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a there's a lot that can threaten, in a sense, our our sense of standing, um, secure standing in in the Lord. I mean, one certainly one one whole place where that happens is the is the suffering either that's happened to us. You alluded to you know the suffering in your in your childhood, but uh, suffering that we experience. In, in the present also can 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 threaten that I, when you've talked when you talked earlier about that uh, moving out of that place of settled um, sense of the Lord's favor what are what are some of the places where you feel like yeah that this what pushes you away potentially from that from that settled place right yeah I think that um, one of the things I find myself routinely, getting um, just, I don't know the right word, bombarded or side, uh, sidetracked or just distracted by is the approval of man. Mm. And um, I think that there was a, a lot of experiences growing up where I felt as though I was on my own and my parents had kind of forsaken me. And... Um, and I, I remember thinking so often, if I could just be a little different and if I could just, mm. you know, and it, the, the crazy thing is, I think that I was very successful. I never made anything but A's and I, you know, got a full ride to call. I mean, there was, but just this constant um, voice that if I were just a little better, you know, mm. whatever I tried, even if it was just a pleasurable hobby you know, it was like, if you could just be a little better, a little different, Hmm. um, maybe your dad would be different. Maybe your mom would be different. Maybe things could be better. And I think it just, I've carried that with me and into friendships and relationships. Like, oh, if I could be a little more loving, if I could be a little more something, Mm -hmm. then maybe I will be accepted or loved. And, um, and I have 
when I became a believer, I was part of such an, a wonderful uh, Christian community, and I made these lifelong friendships of, of people that, you know, they have seen me through ups and downs and loved me, you know, not perfectly, but consistently, and they have uh, weathered many seasons with me, and I've gotten a glimpse of what God means when his, when I think about his steadfast love, and mm. Um, and I see like, okay, like love doesn't mean you have to continually, um, be, try to be a different person or Mm -hmm. strive. I think strive is a word that, um, I have, when I catch my, it's tricky. It's like, you don't know you're striving when you're striving and (laughs) later you're like, why am I exhausted? And why don't I want to do anything and enjoy anything? right now and it's um you know and then it's like oh maybe because you know you've been on the treadmill (laughs) yeah I've been on the treadmill and and so that's definitely you know like this big thing fear of man and seeking man's approval um and it's you know it's like a beast that can never be satisfied because no matter who tells you Rona, you're great. You're such a great person and such a great counselor and such a great student. And you're so good. It doesn't matter who says Mm. what, it's never enough. And um, it will never kind of satisfy what this pattern is is creating in me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a big one for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were you about to say something, Mike? No, it's just that's, I mean, that really... That's really, um, yeah, helpful to hear. Like you're saying, if if I listen to any other voice, really, <laughs> other than the the Lord's pronouncement upon me, whether it's my own internal, I must be better, I must do more. Um, it, it you're you're just not going to. It's never a secure place. You just highlight. You're highlighting that it's just not a secure place. Um, so it's also interesting. Uh, you're also highlighting the importance of the the body of Christ um, in terms of um, not not in terms of their particular affirmations. You're great, or you're doing well, because as you say, that that in the end of the day uh, may not be enough either, right? Um, but at the same time, finding that that acceptance, that that family, that home with other believers. Is a is a manifestation of the the love of the Father for you as well. So it's yeah, it's helpful to hear you talk about that that aspect, like what what the fellowship was like for you, uh, particularly as you as you came to Christ. Yeah, it has been so healing, um, and and I've moved a lot since becoming a believer, and it's it is just I think so gracious of God when I think about the provision of his church and his people and just, you know, the gifts of his children to me personally in different seasons. And um, I, I just don't know what I would, where I would be without um, mm. just these significant people God's put in my life. Mm. Amen. Yeah. How, how, how have the people around you can, ministered ministered well to you in, in periods of suffering. Uh, you obviously, you know, talked a bit about your, your childhood. Um, so 
since coming to the Lord, can you can you talk about a, a time where someone ministered wisely and well to you, and and why that why that was so helpful? What was it that yeah. was so helpful? Yeah, um, there's just so many examples. I think that one most recently was um, and a sweet lady, uh, one of my mentors from my church here in Pennsylvania. Um, she's in her 70s, and her name is Betsy, and I don't think she'll mind me sharing that. Um, and she, um, uh, goodness, there's like a backstory to this, but she has been a, a very uh, key person in my life in some really difficult times. And the first time I met her was on um, Mother's Day, on a Sunday, and I was new to my church and I was beelining it to the door after the sermon because I was just in tears. And I knew if I had to talk to someone, then I would cry more. And I just, mm. you know, was new to the church and thought, okay, well, <laughs> I want to get to I don't want this to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My so first I impression. Like, trying to get out of there really fast. And I knew if anyone asked me any questions, it was just going to be a mess. So, um, I, the reason that Mother's Day was so hard for me was because when I became a believer back in, when I was 19, back in 20, 2008, oh goodness, something like that, um, I told my mom and I was very excited, but <laughs> I think I, I just told her the way I encountered God and I said, I want to be a missionary and I just want to give my whole life to to this because it's it's changed everything and mm. um, and that began our relationship was already um, hard over the years but that brought a new dynamic to it um, and I think her comment was something like you know no no daughter of mine is going to go around begging people for money mm. and basically I think she's disowned me about three or four times um, oh. for being a missionary and for just different decisions I made. And before I moved to Westminster, or <laughs> that's what it feels like, before I moved to Pennsylvania to become a seminarian at Westminster, there was just a really big um, blow up. And uh, yeah, and so she and I hadn't talked for... I think six months or, or just a, a quite a while. And I think that my heart was just very broken by my joy to follow the Lord and what I felt like he was calling me to do, but also just how I longed for my mom to be a part of my life and mm -hmm. for her to join me in this joy, but also like, yeah, it, it's hard to be... Um, it was hard to be a missionary in Seoul away from friends and family. And it's hard to move across country and to a completely new city and start seminary. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've just been, I felt like by myself for a very long time. And, um, and that mother's day, I think my heart was just breaking because I, I wanted to like the previous mother's day, I cooked her a very large brunch and, gotten her these gifts and it just I just felt just heartbroken that mm -hmm. I couldn't um, do that 
and that our relationship was where it was at. So all of that to say, as I was beelining, beelining mm. it out of church, um, Betsy, she's this sweet, small old lady, came up to me and she grabbed my hands and she just said, oh, I don't think we've met. I'm Betsy and, um, and I just saw you and I wanted to say hi and you know, introduce myself. And so we sat in, the, in a back pew and she's like, oh, it looks like there's something on your heart. And so I shared a little bit and she, her eyes filled with tears and she was just saying that her daughter is um, a missionary in Japan and Mother's Day is um, especially difficult for her as well because she's all by herself. And I don't know, it just was like, Lord, you're so good that you (laughs) give us one another. And and she just kind of took me in and she has had a lot of suffering and tragedy in her life. And I don't know how to explain Betsy's like, the atmosphere Betsy creates around her, it's just, but it's like, if you have lost everything and all you have is Jesus, and then you find out that he is the treasure that you just never imagined could be this good. Like that is Mm. what Betsy gives off. And so every conversation, she usually just ends. And, you know, I don't know, it could be any topic, but the conversation always moves towards like, isn't Jesus so good? And then it's, it's just like, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and so I think that Sunday, um, I was sick for a, quite a while in seminary. I was getting sick like almost once a month. I don't know if it was just, I was not used to the allergens here or something, but I was getting sinus infections all the time. And, um, and then I had this weird allergic reaction where my hands were like burning and there was a rash on them. And I'm missing class and Westminster is very rigorous and I'm getting behind and it was like I was sick two weeks out of the month and then I'd finally get better, try to catch up and then get sick again. And this has happened for over a year. So Mm. I was just very disheartened and, and I remember missing church services and some of my friends just being like, somebody, you know, doesn't really like being a church. And I just remember being like, ah, (laughs) I'm so upset. And I'm like, I hate, you know, that this caught people think I don't love to worship. And, you know, and I was just really discouraged. And, um, and I remember one Sunday, Betsy was like, oh, Rona, which hospital are you getting this allergy test done at? Is it okay if I meet you there? Is it okay if I sit in the waiting room while you get the allergy test done? And I, I just hmm. broke down crying. I, I lived overseas a long time by myself and I was here and, and I just haven't had family and no one's ever been in the waiting room when I've been sick or hmm. I just, it's such small things, but um, they just revealed to me the Lord's nearness and mm-hmm. he, he cares about these small particular things. Like we don't even, I didn't know how meaningful it would be to me that Betsy would offer to come to the waiting room, <laughs> you know, <laughs> while I was getting this testing done. Um, but it's exactly what I, I most needed to hear that I'm not completely alone in this. Um, so yeah, Betsy has been very kind and wise and loving. Um, 
sister in Christ and, mm. and spiritual mother and um, mentor of mine. Mm. Wow, what a, what a, such a tender and powerful story. And just in terms of your own, uh, yeah, a sense of loneliness, not not having that support for uh, for so for so many years, like the things that you talked about in terms of going overseas, hard enough to do when you're in a sense fully supported, you know, by by family. But it's a but it's a lonely it's a lonely time, and and the estrangement from your mom just a just a very heavy and ongoing burden. So to to have to have Betsy just come to you and just her her presence and her pointing you to to jesus just yeah that's that's so neat and yeah you highlight it's like it's not a it's not this huge you know thing in one sense but it was her taking the time to grab your hands and sit down and introduce herself or go with you for the for the allergy allergy testing um, this is a this is a master class in caring right you know right before our our very eyes what what's her what's her phone number what's her phone number no I'm just just kidding um, yeah that's okay. thank you for thank you for sharing that well and you alluded to this kind of the, the flip side right some friends who when they, they didn't see you at church were like ah, what's up you know like not that interested are you so What's the what are what's an instance or two of where someone didn't care well for you in the midst of suffering? What what would you say there? Um, I think that um, I can remember distinctly a, a moment in Korea when I was doing campus ministry, and we had just started a a plant at a new university. So it was a, a new a ministry at this new school, and I was supposed to, um, to give um, a word that night. And um, my, so I, I started full-time support raising ministry at the beginning of 2012, and I went on a mission trip to Nepal with my church, and then I got back and my brother called and told me that my dad had passed away unexpectedly. And um, I didn't have a lot of contact with him, but I think when I became a believer, I just had this certainty that he was going to have this transformational type of experience meeting the Lord. And I prayed every single night that my dad mm -hmm. would encounter God. And um, and I just was crushed when I found out he passed away because I thought, you know, what? I, I just didn't understand. Mm. And I, I wanted so much for him. And, um, and I was in shock. And I, you know, flew back to the States for his funeral. Then I flew back to Seoul. And that's when I had to start full-time support raising for my income and also when we were like kicking off the start of this campus plant and I went up to my leader, my ministry leader, and I just said like, I can't share tonight. I just, I don't have anything and I'm just not, I'm not okay. And I don't know what to do. And, and I think her words to me were, you know, 
there are souls on the line and you need to stop focusing on yourself and mm. get out there and serve the Lord. And, um, and I, you know, I, I've been in leadership positions in church and I know the stress and the strain and I, I know, you know, not everything she said was wrong. Like it, it's mm -hmm. to value the work that God's called us to do is so important. But I think in that moment, I just real, I, I just believed like Rona, you are so selfish for not mm. caring about these college students and for, uh, you know, making these excuses and you need to just like get it in gear and no matter what, the show must go on. <laughs> mm, and I think yeah. that's this like mentality. And that's just when I started full-time ministry and my dad had passed away. So then the whole year, I think I was just in shock. And no matter when it would hit, like he's no longer here and I have these unanswered questions and I, I just, I needed so badly to, to talk about it and to remember him and um, and grieve and I just didn't know how to do that I didn't know I needed to do it and I um, and I just had to keep busy with the mm -hmm. ministry demands in that season and so um, it unfortunately it's a lot of unlearning from that those six years of just like no matter what's coming up, you just push through mm -hmm. and you make it happen. Um, and it's learning now, like, you know, we get the honor of partnering with the Lord, but he doesn't need any of us. Like he, <laughs> um, and it's, it's good to process these things and to grieve. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, that, so that was very painful. Um, mm -hmm. and really hard to work through. Yeah. And, and set a, set a trajectory for your, for your time in ministry that, that, that in a sense put the, put the damper on communicating the, those heartfelt griefs, laments, questions, um, both to the Lord and to others. So it certainly, I, right. would, I would imagine, really exacerbated a sense of loneliness and, and isolation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, how, I mean, how has the Lord met you in the midst of your suffering? Like, what, what are places, what, Maybe it was even during those during those initial years, um, but but even now, in in the midst of various um, sufferings and trials, the Lord has. Are there places in Scripture where where He, yeah, it, He's ministered to you? It's it's just been lively to your soul in the midst of in the midst of your suffering. Um, there's quite a few psalms that come to mind, but. One of the, the earliest ones uh, that still I return to and meditate on um, is Psalm 27. Mm. And the reason this psalm is so significant to me is because um, my when I was not actively following the Lord uh, my senior year of high school, um, 
So I feel like I give really long backstories to all of your That's questions, all right. but it's to put things I love, in context. I love backstories. Okay. <laughs> okay. So my mom had um, a brain aneurysm and she had to have surgery right before my senior year began. And we lost our home and my, my dad had a house in that town and he had remarried and she didn't want him to help us. And Anyway, so my mom and I lost our house, and her poorest friends took us in, and they lived in this tiny trailer, and it sometimes didn't have running water, and it was, it was a, a very hard time in my life. And I remember being filled with a lot of hatred, and I remember thinking, like, I'm never going to call this man father. You know, like, these parents of mine, like, they're not... <laughs> I just... Um, it was a very hard um, time and hmm. I felt as though it confirmed like Rona you are rejected and you are alone your parents aren't even um, concerned about you know your well-being or, or whatever and I um, remember in that year um, not reading my Bible regularly but I remember one night um, Psalm 27, um, the verse that says, even if my father and mother forsake me, the oh, Lord will take me in. And I just felt this immense peace, like, just do this next thing on your plate, like finish high school, you know, work hard. And, and I just, I didn't know God in the sense that I know him now in this, mm -hmm. like I'm following him relationship, but I knew that he was going to take care of me. And and then it was just like a year after that when I studied abroad and, and met him. And um, this psalm I return to often um, because I think there's so many themes from my life that it it just speaks on. You know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Mm. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Um, when everything else will collapse under my feet and... Um, even the the dearest people that you could put your humanly hope on your parents even if they fail um, and they will even the best parents fail like the lord takes you in and hmm. um if we don't have a home a place to go like it, it this psalm is speaking about this one place this one thing that we can center our hope and our affection on, like the Lord and his beauty in his temple, like this is mm -hmm. the best place anyway. Like there is a place for you here and it is um, to see God and to know him. And he has said, you know, seek my face. <laughs> and, and he turns his face towards his children. And I, I think, um, you know, I think that's, what dissolves shame at the end of the day mm. is like getting to see uh, and read the face of the Lord is turned towards you and he doesn't look away. And um, this is the face of perfect love and mm. wisdom and kindness. And um, yeah, this, that Psalm 27 definitely mm. uh, comes to mind. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's really encouraging to, to my own heart in terms of, yeah, all, all these things, these terrible things that, that could happen and have happened. I mean, in terms of mother and father uh, forsaking, the Lord 
turning his turning his face um, to us in the in the midst of in the midst of our affliction, in the midst of our deep suffering is so yeah so critical. That's yeah. Yeah, how, so we've been talking about suffering. Um, what about just the the walk of um, the, the the Christian life as it relates to the the, the struggle with with sin? Um, how, have there been times where people have spoken winsomely to you about about sin in your life? You know that um, that it's like, oh, this. This was so helpful. Um, can you talk about uh, you know a time or two like that, and and why that was so helpful? Because it's a place where we can uh, we can often do poorly, right? As we as we seek to uh, approach people. <laughs> so, uh, when have you been on the the receiving end in a sense of 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 good counsel of of someone who's really helped you in the midst of a struggle with sin? Hmm. Yeah, I can remember um, one of my college mentors. Um, he is part of a ministry in Arkansas. And when I would come back for breaks, uh, you know, from Korea, um, you know, I guess there's, there is a very ambitious, driven, performance-oriented side to me. And when I became a believer, it translated into my relationship with God. So, okay, mm. if I'm called to be a missionary, then I will be the best missionary to go yeah. to the, the furthest, you know, people group and to do the, and sacrifice the most, you know? And I, it's just so ridiculous. And I, I also struggle a great deal with just, with contentment. And I think I see what things could be no matter where mm. I go and, and what, what I'm involved with. And there is this discontentment I feel until it becomes... Uh, what I could envision it could be. And it can be a strength, you know, in terms of helping improve things. But um, personally, it's, it's just sometimes um, it points to just a lot of uh, self-focused uh, desires and ambition and pride and not a letting go of control and trusting the Lord. And I think that... Um, I, when I envisioned myself being a missionary, I didn't see myself being one in Seoul to college students, you know, with iPhones and technology. I thought I was going to go somewhere else, and, um, you know, I, I just, I didn't like it. And I remember, especially the first few years, I'd come home and I just complained to my college mentor, Andrew, and I'd just say, you know, this is not what I want to do. And these college students, you know, with all their technology, like, what do they need? You know, and it was, I don't know, even... <laughs> What it was so long ago, but I just remember he would um, he would listen to me carefully, and you know he wasn't like you know you have a pride problem and you know you need to be content with where the Lord has placed you. But he just said you know what does contentment look like in this situation and mm. like what does contentment look like for you? Contentment in the Lord and and I don't know I just the way that he would listen and ask me questions, it began to remove this, um, like everything else, like this the film on my eyes that these things that I desired and lusted after, you know, success or achievement or whatever, um, I began to see how flat and 
um, devoid of substance they were compared mm. to the weightiness and the glory of what God was calling us to. And, um, you know, and I would leave the conversation thinking, you know, oh, I'm so glad I came to this realization, but <laughs> you know, definitely with his help. And so I don't know, he was just very mm. good at um, gently and kindly pointing out areas where I needed to grow, um, contentment in the Lord being one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that he, the way he approached you was was with questions in a sense and like what does what does contentment in this situation look like you know for you as opposed to you should be content or let me tell you what contentment looks like or let let me take you to you know this particular passage and but that's yeah that's really interesting right how he he engaged with you Mm -hmm. by pushing you carefully gently to reflect uh, on yeah Right. How about how about the again the the reverse of that? You know, mm-hmm. a, a place where so you, you just described a kind of a winsome mm-hmm. encounter in the midst of particular sin patterns. What about a um, a non winsome encounter? You know, where 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 someone challenged your sin in a way that was they in one sense right in principle, like they were right in the sense of there was there was something amiss here. But the way it happened, it just, it was not helpful uh, to you. Um, I think that it is, the, I mean, little instances, I mean, I could think of a lot of them for myself, like when I did not do a good job of, <laughs> you know, uh, but I think for me, it's like um, when there are so, like quick solutions uh, or quick assumptions made. Um, so, for example, when I was sick on and off for over a year um, and missing class in church, I think, you know, the classmates that, or the friends that made the comment, you know, like, oh, where were you Sunday? Someone sleep in and miss church? Or someone doesn't enjoy worshiping yeah. in the house of the Lord? And I just remember being so peeved and irked and, you know, just angry, you know, like, who are you to, and, and, um, yeah, I, I think that it's an assumptions made without really understanding, you know, where a person's coming from or Hmm. what's in their life at that time or, um, yeah. So something like that, Mm -hmm. uh, little situations like that come to mind. And I mean, for me, I can imagine so many, but especially when I first started, um, like discipleship with young women, I remember, I remember being, um, and it's just so sad now. Um, like if I remember one instance when a, a young woman would tell me, you know, her struggles with meeting with the Lord and having daily devotional and time in the word. And, and I remember just looking at her and saying, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And the Lord has commanded us to meditate on his word and to love him with all of our hearts. So this just doesn't mean, this means you just don't love Jesus. And, uh, you know, if you loved, and I, I just, like, I don't know what I was thinking and why someone would let me disciple someone else. But um, I, I just am appalled by um, 
how not winsome I was, um, and probably still am many times in, in talking about sin. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, of growth there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, we have. I think each of us can can look back, you know, over over our lives and see those places where it's like, oh, how could I have said that, or why, <laughs> why, how could I have done that? And the Lord is, the Lord, I'm sure, is merciful to uh, to that uh, to that young woman as well. But it's your your you're highlighting the just the the growth trajectory that we all are on in terms of how how do we wisely approach approach others i mean are are there things that that you would say yeah recently even that you're learning in terms of that aspect in terms of approaching sin winsomely in someone Approaching sin winsomely, and you know, I—it's I, such an interesting time. I feel like I don't see anyone these days except for my fiance. <laughs> like we're. Well, there's like plenty co- to talk COVID about there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this COVID world—it's my world—is so small in terms of like real human interaction. I mean, like there is Zoom, but it's just—it's so different. But yes, let's see, fiance. We'll we'll zoom into that relationship. Um, and you could talk about how he's approached you winsomely <laughs> with sin in your life. <laughs> um, I think that, I don't know if there's been like an intentional, uh, uh, I don't know if we've done a good job of doing this, Mike. I know that we are coming to realizations about ourselves um, through being in relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like when you're with someone that much, it starts to reflect, you, you start to see a reflection of yourself, like the mm. good and the bad. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm seeing in my relationship with Jordan, how I, I just like feel this need to over plan and control and make, and it's like this, this kind of. I don't even know where it's coming from, but just if I just make sure to plan enough or control enough of whatever situation, then we're mm-hmm. going to be okay and I can alleviate, you know, discomfort in the future. Um, and so, like, you know, just hop on my train and let me plan this thing and, you know, everything will be okay if we do it my way. And yeah. I'm just seeing that my way is just as important as his and... Um, and you know, it's, it's just like little things when I don't get my way, how angry I become. And I, Mm. I just didn't know I was going to be like that Mm because I've, I've been single. I'm 32. I've been, um, I think when you get married at an older age, you, you've, become quite comfortable being on your own. So you developed your own rhythms and your mm-hmm. own like way of style and way of doing things. And I thought I was like a flexible person and like go with the flow with my friends. But, but um, with Jordan, it's just so different. Like I realized I'm not. And um, like, I can think of a recent example, which is kind of what I'm alluding to. Um, 
if I spend the whole day with him, we have had a lot of conflicts about meal times. And because I like to have three structured meals a day and I like them to be at the same time. And when I don't eat regularly, I become a very cranky toddler and nothing is okay. <laughs> and I eat at the same time every day and, you know, balanced meal. And, um, <laughs> and Jordan, like he's not hungry at breakfast time. He sometimes is hungry at lunch and he eats just like massive amounts of food for dinner. So if I'm like there with him on a Saturday and um, especially when we first started dating, I just remember uh, being quiet all through like the morning time thinking like, when can we eat breakfast together? And then, you know, the lunch hours come and it becomes like two o'clock and three o'clock and I'm just stewing inside like, how could he not feed me? You know, like I was just outraged. Feed at, me. Like you say you love me, but you're not giving me food. And like, it was so important to me to have three meals a day. And then like, I, I think I just blew up at some point. Like, how can you not think about me and like feed me at meal times? And he's mm -hmm. just like, well, you can eat anytime. You know, I'm just not hungry. And I'm like, you're the love of my life. Of course, I want to eat all my meals with you. You know, <laughs> so I'm not gonna just eat before you. Like, I want to eat with you. And um, and so, I just see like my anger and my insistence mm. on my way, and just assuming that this has to be what people um, fall in line with. And um, and so I, I just see that a lot coming out with Jordan. And mm -hmm. um, that is <laughs> a desire to control and mm -hmm. a lot of pride um, that we're working through. I am, mm -hmm. he is, we both are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're highlighting just, uh, yeah, the, the present work of, of God uh, in, in your life, uh, can, conforming both of you uh, to to the image to his image and uh, so as you're convicted by these things uh what what how's he how's he speaking to you how's the lord speaking to you through uh, through his word what, what how does that you you're you become aware of boy I'm, I'm more controlling or more impatient than than i thought i was how does what, how does the gospel meet you uh, in in those moments and yeah, um, I think that one of the things I'm finding in, I mean, I know I painted a funny picture of it, but it's a lot of it is tied to the fact that um, when you're kind of on your own and you are needing to plan and, you know, I guess the mindset I believe my whole life is if I don't take care of it and if I don't take care of myself, no one else will. And with Jordan, there is this, this person that is kind, who cares for me, who's safe, and who wants my best, you know, who has my best interest in his heart. And um, and it's a reflection of the Lord's kindness to me as well. Like, he is a loving father. He has always provided for me. And in the hardest seasons of my life, he has, he has made a way, and he has brought me through it, and he has never forsaken me. And... Um, so I, I see this like, do I really believe in the kindness of God? And mm. 
can I trust that God is good? And can I trust that Jordan is, is good and kind and loves me too? And, um, and if, if I can trust that, then maybe I don't have to worry so much and plan and control and make sure everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can relax a little bit because I know that, that my Father in heaven takes care of his people takes mm. care of his children, takes care of me. And I think it, that's where it goes a lot. Um, and I, one, I keep making examples of Jordan. He's, he's literally the only human I talk to in, in real life these days. So <laughs> it's like that. Um, I, I cooked dinner one night. It was after work and I was rushing and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make a really good dinner. I had my cast iron skillet. I was searing salmon and it was like, it was going well. Like the Ooh. perfectionist in me was like, bees, mashed potatoes, this salmon, like this is a good meal. And I plated it very beautifully as well it was just that's like, awesome real, yeah it was very like <laughs> you're talking very, to a foodie so i mean i get it i get it it's like yeah mm, it was, nice you know, plating if you sear it, it it's like you can burn it you can overdo it but it was like soft and good on the inside it was seared and crust like it was just good and i was trying to do a million things at once and i wanted so badly to cook a perfect meal for jordan and um and i like balanced the plate as I, I, I plated one and then I was like balancing the plate on the counter. It was half off the counter, half on the counter. And I, I put the mashed potatoes on and the plate like flipped over and it just, uh-huh. the plate shattered and salmon, perfect seared salmon and mashed potatoes are all over the floor and the plate is shattered also. And I just like broke into tears and I, I kept saying like, it was so good. It was the perfect, you know, it was, was going to be really good. And I'm so sorry. And Jordan just ran in and he was like, are you okay? And he just hugged me. And I, I just expected to be reprimanded or like, why are you so clumsy? Like, you know, why are your motor skills so delayed <laughs> or like just something, you know, to be shamed. And I, I just was expecting, mm. I guess, his voice to, to align with that voice of accusation that is so common in myself. And mm. all I did was just like, oh, it's fine. We'll just, you know, make a frozen pizza and share the, the plate that didn't fall. And he's like helping me clean it up. And, and I don't know, I, I just see, like, I just feel like that's, like the Lord's mm-hmm. posture a lot towards me, like, like Rona, you're not meant to carry these heavy burdens. Like mm-hmm. you can come to me and I, and I like take these things that are heavy, this heavy load. And, um, and it, it's just this like radical grace and kindness from the Lord. Mm-hmm. That is even in the midst of, of my pride and my controlling and my sin, like when I get before the face of God, like that is what I, I sense is like, you can let go. <laughs> I've got mm-hmm. this. And um, you can lay your burdens down. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, I, that's a wonderful place, I think, to, to end our conversation. Because it, in some ways, it, it comes full circle, right, in terms of the kind of the welcome the radical grace and hospitality of the Lord bringing you into his family. And then just what you said here in, you know, in this, in this, this last story in terms of 
you know, Jordan's kindness to you in that moment, his embrace of you in that moment, just mirroring uh, what, you know, what the, what the Lord does with us and in our mess, right? Uh, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, Amen. Uh, Rhoda, thank you so much uh, for this time. Really appreciate uh, your, your honesty and opening up uh, your, your life to me. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It was so nice getting to talk to you, Mike. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CCEF podcast, Stories from Saints, Sufferers, and Sinners. If you haven't yet purchased a copy of Mike Emlett's new book, our friends at Westminster Bookstore are offering a 50% off special to our podcast listeners. Just go to wtsbooks.com Add saints, sufferers, and sinners to your cart. And at checkout, use the code SSSPOD. Again, that code is SSSPOD. Also, we want to say a special thank you to poor Bishop Hooper for all the music in this episode. The music is from their newest project, Every Psalm, in which they aim to release a psalm-based song each week for all 150 psalms. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I ever be afraid? The Lord is the strong hold upon my life and of whom. Should I be afraid? Even with false witness or constant breath of Upon your beauty, God, and see you in.
Ha. Uh-huh. 